Hi, and welcome back to season five of DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. Grace, it's so good to be back. I agree. I love that we're starting our fall season with an episode on leading change. I feel like, you know, change is a, a brew in the fall with kids going back to school. Yep. And, you know, we moved this summer. That was a huge change for us. Yeah. So that's that's a big deal. How did deal. that go? It, it, was, uh, it was good. It was really good. We navigated... The change very well. I'm sure that I'll have some learnings for Patrick that from Patrick that I wish we I had back then when we were doing the move. But it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I I love this time of year. It's kind of this new refreshing energy when the kids go back to school and and we get back into that routine. And it also feels kind of draining. And we didn't even move, so mm-hmm. and it's it's still draining. So we're we're definitely a family where change, even small or planned changes, can can drain our energy, and we have to be really careful about that, which is why I am personally thrilled to chat today with Patrick McKinnon, our Chief Financial Officer for DeVita's Kidney Care Operations, about how he has led himself and others through change. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for, for being on the show today, Patrick. I had the pleasure of working with you while you were president of DeVita Rx last year. And for those who aren't familiar with DeVita Rx, it was our pharmacy business up until its closure toward the end of 2018. And through that experience of working with you, Patrick, I realized just how much change you really went through and had to lead others through over a two-year time frame. So let's start with the personal change you experienced when you first took on this new role. Um, Could you tell us about that change? Sure. Well, just to start out, I was in a finance role working with Javier at the time, and he came up to me at the beginning of January 2017 and asked me if I would consider being the general manager for RX, which totally came out of the blue. And Not- Javier Javier is was at the time our CEO of DeVita Kidney Care Operations. So exactly. he was coming to you and saying, hey, Patrick, <laughs> how about this? Exactly. <laughs> Come run a whole business. Yeah. And it was kind of a left turn from how I was thinking about my career at the time because I had been in finance uh, and he came with this opportunity that really was unexpected. Uh, and I re- had a very short time to make the decision because there were some things that needed to change and he really wanted to to make sure I, you know, got in there really quickly to help out if I wanted to make this decision. So for me, I think one of the one of the I guess from a career perspective, it was an opportunity to deviate from being in finance and to take on a more leadership role. Um, So to go from being kind of an advisor to being someone in charge who who has to make the decisions. And it was not an easy decision at all, uh, given I felt like I was on a reasonable career trajectory and career path. And it was going to require a big change for my family, which was probably the biggest part of this decision. Yeah. So what what kind of emotions were going on for you at the time and kind of processing this change and this, this new opportunity? Well, given that the main operation was down in Dallas, uh, I had to decide first, were we going to move down to Dallas? And was that going to disrupt my wife and my three daughters? Or was this something where I was going to be able to commute? And so Javier quickly took the 
pressure off by saying I could commute. So I, I wasn't having to make the decision necessarily based on where I would live. But that still puts a big stress on my family and especially on my wife, who was the one who would bear the burden of having to take care of my girls uh, if I was on the road three or four days a week. Yeah. And say a little bit about how did you lead your family through that, uh, through that change and that adjustment? Uh, what we had to do was really put a box around what I was willing to do and what I was willing to sacrifice and give and what was going to work with our family. Uh, and so what I decided, once I decided I was going to do it, uh, I decided that I would be gone. If, if there was a normal week, I would be gone four days and three nights. So mm. leaving early on a Monday morning, but being home for dinner by Thursday evening. And given the time zone difference between Denver and Dallas, I was really able to be home for dinner uh, on Thursday evening. And therefore, we were able to get into a, a relatively good routine. Uh, and I could do FaceTime with the kids at night on the nights I was away. Uh, although, you know, stuff gets in the way all the time. And I, I realized their life gets way ahead of us. Yeah, I, I like how you um, said that part of what you did to manage through that change was create some clarity, right, to create that new routine and, and intentionally guarding some time for you and your family. So thanks for sharing that and how you led your family through that change process. And uh, let's fast forward a little bit. Now that you're in the role and you're commuting back and forth and you're getting your, you know, your, your feet on the ground, and then you had to after a little while, lead your entire RX teammates through the transition of winding down the business. So let's fast forward to that point. How did you lead the team through that really big change? Well, I would actually bring us back to the beginning a little bit hmm. um, because when I the, the first day that I came in, people were asking me about my vision for the organization, the vision for the company. And there was also a lot of people that realized a lot of things needed to change. So early on, I was able to tap into a lot of the a, a lot of experienced people who had been at RX for a long time to make some decisions early on in the in my tenure to try to turn the business around. And I think as we did that, I think we got to the point six or eight months downstream where we started to realize that there might be some things that uh, weren't going to work out as well as we might have hoped, things out of our control. And therefore, as we were, um, I, I guess, from a, a change perspective, it was we were all on the kind of on the same page or a small group of us were on the same page that about what needed to happen. And once that wasn't working, uh, we were able to all help each other. Hmm. Come to grips, or come to come to grips with with the what was becoming an increasingly likely scenario that we might have to wind down the business, uh, which was a, a super helpful for me as the one who was having to make a, a recommendation around it. That a lot of people were coming to the same conclusion. So it sounds like team was a big element of really managing yourself and the th getting through this process is getting a support team and being having having people around you to support you. Absolutely. It was super helpful to have people to bounce ideas off of and people who are going through a lot of the same stuff and people who are far more experienced than I was in the industry to make sure we had checked all the boxes uh, in, in coming to, to a, a very serious decision. So what was going on for you personally as you were kind of grappling with this whole um, process of how are we, what are we changing? How are we changing? What is it going to look like? How am I going to lead others through this change? How are you processing it personally? I wanted, I wanted to make the best decision, decision for patients and teammates. So ultimately, mm. there were a handful of paths we could have gone, gone down, um, 
But I wanted to, I, I really kept patients and teammates at the forefront of all the decisions that, that I made. And so I quickly had to come to, again, come to grips with the decision we were going to make because everyone is processing change at different speeds. And I knew I could not waver in the decision from the get-go. And again, by, by keeping people focused on patients and teammates, uh, it, it helped us all have a rallying cry because, again, everyone's processing the change differently about how does it impact them, how is it going to impact their families, because this was uh, everybody's job was coming to an end uh, because of this decision. Yeah, it sounds like you really aligned around a core value for yourself and just kept that out in front of you as a guiding star. Is that is that is am I hearing yeah, that correctly? Yeah, it's good. I, I I really couldn't couldn't think of myself all that much. I was very yeah. focused on everybody else, recognizing that I'm in a I'm in a very good p- situation. No matter what the outcome was for me, I felt like I was I've, I've been very blessed, and I needed to make sure I took care of everybody else. So, how did that feel for you to have that? level of responsibility, like to have that gravity of, of uh, decision-making and, and having all these lives in your hands there? It was hard. There were a lot of dark nights, mm. especially living away from home. And that actually probably made it almost easier in some ways because I could go through that change and, that, and kind of process that on my own in my hotel room. Uh, the one thing I really loved doing when I was um, traveling is I had a, a, a gym uh, that I worked out at. I did a little bit of CrossFit, uh, even though I don't look like it. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I was just a normal person. I was just the random guy who lived in Colorado. Uh, we didn't talk at, at all about my work when I was there. And so that actually was a good diversion from all the stuff that I was going through at the time. But it was. I just had to process it at night uh, and because in the day when you're with everybody, because for the longest time, teammates didn't know. So I had my mm. office right outside. There were you know 50 frontline teammates right outside my office. And I always had to make sure I was walking in and out of my office with the same positive attitude because before we made the announcement, I couldn't ever let on that something negative might, might happen. Uh, and so th- again, I just had to make sure I came in early to get my mind right. And at night when I was in, you know, at the hotel room, make sure I also came in and you know, uh, with, with a fresh perspective the next day. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a lot of uh, a lot that you were holding, and so let's let's drill down and talk about that actual day of the announcement. Um, could you share how how you led your team in that moment, and and you know what were they what were they facing? Yeah, I, well, first we we had a lot of preparation. Uh, mm. We had you know we made the announcement towards the end of July. The hope was that we were actually going to make the announcement in May, but there were a lot of things and decisions and contracts that we had to make sure were buttoned up. So the good news is we had lots of preparation uh, and we had lots of support from the village. But on the day of, when I made the announcement, I had a lot of time to, to prepare for what I was going to say. And I came in with about seven to 10 minutes worth of prepared remarks uh, and really focusing on how we were going to try to take care of our teammates through the transition. And this was in a town hall format, right? So you had all the RX teammates in a gigantic room yeah. on the floor of the, the pharmacy. Yeah, for people right? who had never been to RX, think of a big Costco. Uh, <laughs> and that's essentially what it was, me standing up in front of all the teammates there. And it was simulcast to our pharmacies in Florida and also in California uh, because I wanted everybody to hear it at the same time. Because in today's age of social media and texting, uh, yeah. if we didn't do it at the same time, everyone was going to find out about it before we had the opportunity. So I was on screen and in, in, in the remote locations and live there. And we had probably six or 800 people 
uh, who were listening to, to the announcement. So in total, there were how many probably teammates total? Was it about 1,000? A little over 1,000. Okay. So you're telling a little over 1,000 teammates that, uh, that what they knew was reality is going to change. Exactly. That over the course of the next four to six months, this business is winding down and those 1,000 people are going to have to find something else uh, to do for a living. Mm. Well, that's big. Yeah. It was big. So, yeah. So please continue. So on that day, you had seven to 10 minutes worth of remarks. How did it go? It went, it went as expected, uh, I would say. Uh, and I had plenty of other, we'd prepared a bunch of q and I'd done, done a bunch of role playing, uh, but you can't prepare for the emotion of what's going on inside the room. Because mm-hmm. even though for me and our team, as much as we were trying to practice around, uh, you know, people go through denial or anger when they hear this type of news, uh, it's hard to practice that kind of emotion until you're there in real time. And uh, I, I expected to have a bunch of those emotions. And once you're up there in front of everybody, it also feels really heavy uh, because people didn't want to believe that we were going through this change. Uh, for them, uh, for many of them, they saw that we were continuing to dispense medications. So if, if we're dispensing medications, how how can this business not be working? Uh, mm-hmm. how, how could we not be making money if we're dispensing medications? Yeah, I, I, you know, this change, some, some people call it the change curve, that's denial, then there's resistance, then there's exploration before you get to acceptance. It sounds like you had a really powerful experience of denial and resistance in there. How, how did you react or what, you know, what, what did you do to support those teammates? Well, in the moment, I would say I just had to listen. So I'm standing yeah. up there, I'm sweating bullets, uh, <laughs> and I just had to, uh, to take whatever they were saying and just acknowledge, I get it, I understand, we're going to work through that. Uh, we had a lot of people services support on site that day, and over time, we had many people who were on site to support teammates and all their questions and helping them transition to, to whatever was next. But in the moment, uh, it was tough, and probably for the first 45 minutes of Q&A, there was a negative bent to everything. Uh, and then, you know, by the, you know, there was a, a miracle. There was one teammate who had been around for the full time since the beginning, a woman who stood up and she just saved the day for me because she just, uh, she kind of stopped everybody and said, thank you for all that you've done and thanking me, even though uh, I, I don't, don't know if it was at all deserved. But Everybody stopped at that moment. Kind of all the negative energy went away, and she said, "I just I know that you and our team have done everything they could possibly do to keep the business going, and it's just not going to work." And and then she said, "When we're done with this town hall, I want to make sure we finish this town hall like we finished all other town halls by saying, you know, doing one for all and all for one." And she's the one who wanted to lead it. Uh, and so at the end of the town hall, we brought her up and made sure she was able to lead the team in that one for all cheer, which then all the emotion turned the opposite direction. Because uh, again, in that moment when you have that many people and there's, there were some cheering for some of the negative comments, you can't tell is that all 600 people who are, are feeling negative or is it uh, kind of a minority? And in that sense, I think it totally pivoted the emotion and energy and everyone started to you know, feel a little bit better. Yeah, that's, that's a really powerful story and such an incredible reminder of how anyone can stand up and lead. 
And you, you said that she kind of saved you in that moment. And I would say it sounds like she saved, she helped others, like everybody in the room and all the other RX teammates who were really struggling and finding their path along the change process to take just one step forward in their in their change, you know, just kind of get past what's getting them stuck. And uh, she really sounds, It sounds like one yeah. of our core philosophies behind this podcast that we're all leaders. Right. Right. It's really cool. Yeah, she really demonstrated that, and um, gosh, that that sounds that sounds like um, a really great example too of how our culture comes together. Mm. Absolutely, you know, really, really showing the value of team, and really showing how words like one for all and all for one really still have meaning, even in times like this when you're being faced with, I'm not going to have my job, and I've got to find something else, and how can I make that still a positive connection to what I was able to accomplish here and what I will take with me. So um, with that, I I wanted to ask too, you know, so you went through this whole long town hall, which felt like I'm sure an eternity when you were standing up there. So as, um, as the days went on, how the days, the months went on, how did the change process uh, go for your teammates over that period of time as they started to move through that change process? Yeah, I would still say it, it, it took a different. Everybody was on their own timetable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there was, you know, and and also we had multiple transition periods. So some people, you know, had sixty plus days. Some people might have six months before we were were finally done. But I would say that the rallying cry was around treating our patients and making sure we 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 stepped in and continued to deliver medications to our patients, all of whom depended on us until we until we were transitioning. They depended on us for their life, life-sustaining medications. And so at many other, we, we would do weekly town halls afterwards, and there were many, many patients who, or teammates, sorry, who stepped up and made sure they stood up in front of the crowd and uh, said, let's, let's, let's make sure we take care of our, of our patients. And so that helped out. And I would say over time, all the teammates started realizing that one, this was not going to end immediately, so they weren't um, having to go find something different on day day one or day two, and that we had, we were providing a lot of resources to help them process change, whether it was interview training, resume writing, job fairs. There was a lot that we did to help them figure figure out the next steps. And, and for a lot of people, it was a, a, an instigator to do something that they had always wanted to do. So people starting mm-hmm. up their own businesses, you know, going back to school, uh, which was a lot of fun. And I think a lot of teammates, when they saw people tell those kinds of stories, it helped them uh, process their own change as well. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like they really embrace that exploration phase of change, of seeing all the possibilities that that change could create in terms of where they go and what they do. That's really cool. So we're about at that time, Patrick, and we end all of our episodes by asking our guest to share one simple practical tip that our listeners can go out and try right away. So what's one tip you would ask our teammates to go out and try to lead change? Sure. Uh, I'm very much a routine person, uh, and therefore it's very important that I maintain routine through change. Uh, And so for me, as I talked about earlier, uh, it was working out. Uh, and in Dallas, I had a gym. Here, I had a gym. And I just needed to continue with that workout at 5 in the morning. And for me, at 5 in the morning, rarely does anything get in the way of me being able to work out other than sleep, uh, which I'm willing to sacrifice. But having that one time for myself really helped help sustain me uh, over the, you know, throughout that, that change period. 
Yeah, the image that I have in my head as you're saying that is you're standing kind of in the eye of the hurricane, right? Like you try to keep that one thing constant and these big things are happening around you and swirling around you, but at least you're grounded with at least one anchor, right? Yeah. Something that you can anchor on and hang tight to. I control one thing. Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for coming by and sharing some of your insights. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah, thank thank you guys. That was a really cool chat with Patrick. Loved his stories and especially his tip at the end to keep one thing constant in your routine to lead yourself through the change. Yeah, I completely agree. That's a really good tip and it's something that I need to remember myself as I'm going through change. And uh, speaking of tips, Doug, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our episode at the end of last season with Javier Rodriguez on leading with authenticity. How did it go? Went well. Uh, Javier's tip was to start with your beliefs. So this is not uh, a surface level exercise. This is definitely a deeper get into your heart space, not just your head space, and write down your top five beliefs and really ask yourself, like pressure test it to see if they feel true to you and not what you think someone else wants you to believe. Did you dig deep, Grace? I did. You know, I I actually came up with six things. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I wrote these six things down and I was like, yeah, these are these are definitely my beliefs. And then um, in talking through, you know, I realized that one of those beliefs just was there. It was a legacy belief. Hmm. It wasn't something that I really connected with at the time, but it's just been there for so long that it just stayed on my list as I thought of my list. And um, it was something that I had heard my grad school professor say, and it really stuck with me 13 years ago. So it's been a, a while. Yeah. And since then, I said, I'm gonna, that's a belief of mine, and I'm going to live my life that way. And, um, and then I realized, just reflecting on it, that I'm not the same person I was 13 years ago. And it was it really fit me at the time, and it was really a great you know, uh, belief for me to have at that time and where I was in my life. And now I'm just, I just feel like I've grown and I'm a different person. And I just keep uh, trying to improve myself and, and build better relationships. And that just didn't fit with where I was currently and where I wanted to be as a person. So I'm glad I went through that exercise because that was one belief that I could let go of. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for being willing to share your learnings with us and your growth, Grace. That's, mm. that's really cool. So, for our listeners, we would like to hear your stories and tips as well. Please check out our show notes and click on the listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voicemail. And if you enjoy these podcasts, rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so we know how we're doing. See you next week. One for all. And all for one.